This is the Bootstrapper Show for Property Management, powered by Anaquim, a podcast where we have real conversations with industry experts that you can apply to your life and business. Welcome to Bootstrappers, where we talk about topics that are important to real estate and property management entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Gwen Aspen, here with my spouse, Jeremy Aspen. And today we're going to talk to AJ Shepard of Uptown Properties in Portland, Oregon. He's also a podcast host of Westside Investors Network. And we're going to talk about how to do syndication well. AJ has been speaking at many of the property management conferences on this topic. He's an expert. He has several deals in the network or uh, in the works for syndications. And so I'm really excited to hear about what he has to say. Now, Bootstrappers is powered by Anaquim. Anaquim delivers the best virtual assistants that you can find. So if you're looking for support at your small or medium-sized business and you need some back office labor or you even need front office labor, you even need people on the phones, go to anaquim.net, set up a discovery call, and we can support you in growing your business. Welcome to the show, AJ. Hey, thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your business, because you've been in property management for a a long time now, right? Yeah, I'm one of those accidental property managers. We started buying houses in 2007, 2008, and kind of continued buying. We opened up the property management company in 2011. And then most recently, we started buying like larger apartment units. Uh, So kind of like 15, 20, 30 units. probably in 2020. So that's like the quick and skinny of how I got to where I'm at now. To drill down a little deeper, did you ever do any third party or is it all just your own assets? Yeah, so it was like 2011 when we started the property management company, we found out that having another source of income allowed us to qualify for more financing mm-hmm. um, and managing property for other people provided that opportunity for us to have a profitable business that qualified for more financing. How did you find it to be profitable? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so you found, right. you're the guy. You're the one yeah. that figured that out. Just kidding. It, it actually can be a very profitable business. So, so we want to talk specifically about syndication on this show because it's kind of a scary thing for a lot of people, but uh, it can provide that um, level of figuring out your own destiny. So you've done syndications in several several different times, correct? Yeah, we've. Uh, I think we've completed uh, five deals. We have not gone to sell a deal, which is kind of like the ultimate performance. Um, but you know, the the ones that we have going are performing as expected and uh, probably a little bit better than our performance. So. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, um, for sure. So there are like two types of syndications, correct? Yeah. So the the one that we mostly participate in is like a single asset. Um, so that's where you kind of create a company to buy a single asset and the syndication performs on that one asset. Uh, there is another type, which generally you kind of have to have like a larger track record for. So you get the the guys that have done a bunch of single assets and then what they do is they create a fund and then that fund has the ability to buy and sell assets. And then that fund kind of has like a sunset date and they have some targets and some other stuff. But, uh, you know, those are those guys are raising a lot more money than uh, what we're raising um, and kind of 
you know, on our first few deals, we're raising two, three million dollars a piece um, on on deals. Not dinky, not dinky. <laughs> and then your no, property, I'm, your property management company, does it then manage those? Is that kind of yeah. what what you guys will bring to the deal too? That's yeah. a that's a big deal. Uh, being able to go to people and say, hey, yeah, we want to get some of your money, but we've already got the infrastructure to take care of it. It's going to just kind of enter this whole system and it's going to be, uh, you know, here's the reports that we've got. It's very automated. That's so much nicer. Yeah. And we, we that's what in the business is called vertically integrated, um, where we manage, we, we actually have a construction company too. So okay, we have right. the construction, the property management, and then the syndication was just another piece where, you know, we're taking on investors' money at smaller chunks. I mean, buying a $5 million property isn't necessarily sustainable by one person. Um, so, but if you pool several 10, 15 people together and, you know, each of them come up with a 50 or 100K, then, um, you know, you can spread out the risk a little bit and then also uh, have the ability to use the economies of scale uh, of apartments. So right. I do want to ask, how did you get started in all this? Because I think that first step, a lot of people have heard about it at conferences. I know you spoke at the Property Management Mastermind Conference about this kind of thing. But the paperwork can be intimidating. The rules and regulations can be intimidating. Asking for money from your maybe your friends or family is scary. Hope you know there is risk involved. So how did you jump over all those hurdles and dive in? I mean, I will say that we've had a lot of experience buying and holding property. Um, so that's kind of like one feather in our cap that maybe not everyone has. But I mean, certainly if you're working with investors, they have that uh, information and know how to do that. Um, but kind of like how I got started was my brother and I owned the business together and we came up with the goal of like, hey, we're going to do this, right? And so I think it was like 2019. It was about a year. It took us a year. Uh, we listened to podcasts. We read books. We taught ourselves. We talked to attorneys. We talked to everybody and just kind of came up with, you know, talking with other people in the business. We we have a podcast too. So we talk with those people. And, uh, you know, you, every time you have a conversation, you learn a little bit more. Right. Um, it's, 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 you can always be better at what you're doing, but it is that kind of like first step. Um, and with, with what we did, and I've, I've heard some other gurus uh, suggest this too, is to mock up a deal. So go in your market, find something that sold, and then mock it up as though you were going to, because you know it's a good deal because it's sold, right? It's sold at that price. And like try to get the information on it, try to do as much due diligence, put together all the paperwork, put together the LLC. Yes, it's a lot of work. Um, but once you have all that stuff done, it's kind of like your processes for a management company. Like it's written out, it's done, and then it can be recreated over and over and over again. And uh, I'll tell you, once you've done one, you're like, oh, I don't want to stop. And I yeah. want to do bigger. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Add a couple of zeros to the to the check. Um, yeah. So uh, investor discipline, because, you know, in the third party, on the third party side of things, we always had property owners that uh, kind of wanted everything to be their own way. And I'm guessing in the investor world, do you have to customize information or are there certain investors that have different requirements or how do you guys handle that kind of uh, disparate needs? 
Well, what's what's nice with the syndication is you're the one putting out the information. You're telling them about the market. You're telling them about what the rents are going to be. You're telling them what construction or value add plan you're going to do. Like you're putting together the plan for this property of what's going to happen. And they're coming in with money and what they expect in return is is some sort of return. Um, and, you know, real estate is a uh, is inherently a risky investment. Uh, I, I wouldn't consider it risky in my opinion, but, uh, you know, some people see see it as a risk. So it's really getting those investors the, the returns that they're expecting. And I think the number one thing all investors are looking for is to number one, make sure that their initial capital is is the risk is completely mitigated with that or have as, as least amount of risk as possible. And then they're looking for a substantial, substantial return. So, but I like this idea of you doing the mock-up ahead of time because also you set the guidelines. Like I'm going to report back to you quarterly or how often yep. do you report back to your... We, we report quarterly. Yeah. Quarterly. And I'm going to provide you with this information and not that information. And so you kind of have the guardrails of how you're going to operate and they buy into the whole methodology as well as the development plan ahead of time because we have heard other people who do syndications where they have um, some rules, but it's not super outlined. And then they get the same dumb questions, not dumb, but like that you get in third party property management because people start getting nervous and they don't know what the rules are or how they should interact with the people doing the deal. So is that part of your success is just outlining this is how we're gonna operate. This is when we're gonna talk. This is how I'm going to communicate with you. Uh, yeah, we've we've had a lot of success with that. Um, I mean, I we've probably got like over sixty or seventy investors that have invested with us in in deals, and I can tell you, like from the the past two or three years, like I think I've had like one or two questions. Like it's oh wow, as long as, as, long as you're going along the plan of what you say you're going to do, and you communicate on time, like. People are like, okay, this is great. You know, I mean, it's literally mailbox money. It shows up in their bank account via ACH, and they're like, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I like. I want to work. And, with and that people. was, and that was like, you know, through the pandemic too. So I mean, like, we we did hold hold back some uh, preferred return during the pandemic just because it was uncertain as to what was going to go on, and that was kind of like after our first one. But you know, for the most part. Uh, as long as you're upfront and honest and pretty transparent with everyone, like they understand, like, you know, stuff does happen once in a while and it's just making sure that you communicate really well with them as to what's going on. And what's nice is, is like, I'm hitting 10, 15 people at a time with the same message. It's not like one person with one house, one person with another house, right. like, you know, it's the same message for one asset, even though that asset may have 10, 20, 30 units. That's great. Okay, so let's talk about the structure of a syndication because this is the part sure. where everybody gets nervous about it. So how do you structure your deals? So like the typical structure of a syndication is you have a general partner or what's called a sponsor. And then you have the limited partner, which is like the investors. So the limited partner investors is kind of like a synonymous, synonymous term and then general partner and sponsor are synonymous term. So the general partner would be like Uptown Syndication, which is our company. And we'd go in and operate, choose the property manager, uh, you know, do all the financials, get, if it 
needs to be refinanced, you know, put together all that information. And the LPs or investors uh, then provide the cash uh, required. And for our investments, we require all that upfront. We capitalize a construction budget uh, to make sure that we have enough funds to do all the construction throughout the rest of the, uh, the entire project. So it's just that one-time capital call up front, and then they provide the money, and then on the back end, they receive returns, uh, such as like a preferred return, and then we typically have like a waterfall structure. So IRR is a term that's called internal rate of return, and it's uh, something that allows you to kind of compare your interest rate on your money to like what you would receive as a compound interest rate on the stock market. So the IRR takes into account the time. So it would the time that your money is in that investment as though it were compounding kind of yearly. So if you have it in there for you know you have 100 100 grand in for 5 years, you'd probably expect to make you know, say it was a 20% IRR, your return after five years is going to be more than 200. It's going to be like 224. I don't know. I, don't, I can't do the math in my head. Uh, I have an Excel sheet that does that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's what they're for. Okay. So you have the water. Tell us more about your waterfall structure. So if it, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's some people that do straight splits. Uh, so like the GP... Well, so the the LPs put up 100% of the uh, cash for the, the property and the sponsorship will take some portion of the profits uh, after that money is paid back. So, you know, some a straight split might be an 80-20 where there's no hurdle. The ownership ends up being 80% of the LP, 20% of the, the GP. Um, and it doesn't matter whether there's any money made or not. That's just kind of like how it goes. So it's just one way to structure it. We we don't like structuring it that way. We like structuring it. We have a preferred return, which is kind of a you can't say guaranteed in a in a risk investment, but it's a fee that is paid to the investors before the general partnership takes any fees. Um, so then once that 7% is achieved, then after that, the GP uh, would take 20% uh, of, the, of the profits and then up to what we call like a hurdle. Uh, and that hurdle is based off like an IRR number. Um, and then after that hurdle number, uh, GP might take like 50% of the profits. So what it does is it aligns the uh, GP and the LPs together to have the best performance for that asset. Uh, because the more money that the asset can make in a shorter amount of time, the more that the GP can make and the more that the LPs can make. And then they can turn that money and put it into another investment. So when they, uh, the investors, how do you get them? Uh, are they just the people that you'd worked with in the third party side? Do you reach out to them or um and also does it get easier over the course of time so you've been doing this a little bit longer and then they're like hey uh yeah how about you make me some money yeah i mean i i will say that like the first one is always the hardest right like who wants to go to you know the doctor that's never performed a heart surgery right yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't want so. to be there yeah exactly and so a lot of times like syndicators will 
borrow the reputation of some other syndicators and uh, kind of align themselves with them to for their first couple and then kind of go out on their own. Um, I think that my brother and I's reputation, because of all the real estate that we have done in our past, we were able to kind of lean on that. Um, so we didn't have to really align ourselves. We were able to just kind of do it. Um, we also started really small. Uh, some people will start with 100 plus units or 60 plus units where they can end a different market. So a lot, you'll see a lot of these syndicators, they reside in California, but they're operating in Texas or the Southeast or something like that because the metrics uh, may be better, property management's easier, easier performance and that type of thing. Um, so finding the investors, I mean, it's just about networking. Because you can't um, advertise. Isn't that one of the stipulations with these is that advertising is not allowed because it goes so, to SEC territory? Yeah. Yeah. So it, syndications are not uh, the purchasing or buying real estate. It's actually purchasing or buying shares of a company. And that company then owns the real estate. Um, so it's governed by the SEC, although there are two exemptions. There's the 506B and the 506C exemption. So the 506B exemption states that you can have up to 35 people and raise $5 million uh, per company. Um, but you cannot advertise the you cannot advertise the deal. You can advertise that you are doing syndications, mm -hmm. okay. and the investor does not need to be a qualified investor or not a, an accredited investor. They have to be a quote unquote knowledgeable investor, and they have to be known to the person doing the deal. So you can't share a potential deal with anyone that you don't know. Uh, and then take them on the deal. So it's important to get to know your operator um, before that they can share with you a potential deal that you could invest in. Um, but the best thing is to like get to know the operator. So technically though, just in case the SEC is looking, we know each other now <laughs> and I've got yeah, well, millions we, of dollars I'm trying to get rid of. We we knew each other before because Gwen and I had right, dinner down been, in Las and, Vegas. Not, and plus we were friends before that. I mean, exactly. Let the record show. <laughs> so yeah, well, and, and that relationship is very gray. Like, mm -hmm. what defines a relationship? Sure. And so, there's a lot of people that it's you know, it might be a phone call on a calendar invite. Like, it might be a little bit more. It just has to be some sort of relationship and known quantity. So then, the next rule is the 506C, and that that states that I I can't remember the limits on what you can raise for that, but it's higher. Um, but everyone has to be an accredited investor. And then you have to have, you can substantiate, but you have to show some sort of information if you were ever to get kind of audited that you perform some due diligence to make sure that they were accredited. And then you are able to advertise the actual deal. Um, so if you're on, I mean, one of the most famous ones right now is Brandon Turner from Bigger Pockets is advertising his newest fund. Um, so he's advertising that because he's looking only for accredited investors. Mm -hmm. mm, okay. And so not only do you have to find the people willing to give you money, but you also to ha have to find a good deal. So in your market and what you've done, what were some of the characteristics of the deals that you wanted to do and participate in? Uh, okay. So there's a couple questions there. I think one, the first question is like, how do you find the deal? But there's a lot of search functions out there to you know help you find deals. Loopnet, Crexy, 
but usually the best thing is finding another commercial broker. Mm-hmm. Um, the multifamily brokers, if you go look on the stats on who sold the most the last year, like pull up the top 10 names and just start pestering them, take them out to lunch, you know, make sure they know that you're a real buyer, you're qualified, you're ready to go. You, you, you know, and then provide feedback to them if they send you stuff, like make sure you get back to them. Um, and then I think the next question was like, what type of deals am I looking at? Yeah. And like what kind of assets are, so are, you, we're, are good for you? Yeah. And I think that this fits kind of like our mantra of what we've done previously, which is like very niche down. So like I've taken some time to like really craft this like saying, and I'm probably going to spit through it really quickly here just because, but I mean, typically we're looking for three story or less garden style homes, exterior doors that are predominantly two bedroom uh, with some value add opportunity, either through management experience or through construction. Okay. So you're looking, yeah. Okay. So I like that though, because you're very specific. So then when you're talking to these people that might have the deal, you're you're telling them exactly what you need. And when you know that, you're more likely to get what you want. Exactly. And you'll also be the one that comes to mind when they're thinking, who might want to buy this? Ah, you. Yep. So, uh, so that's probably, has that been important on really zeroing in on what you like to do for you know, your process? The, the, the thing, I don't know, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm, I know you guys are too. And like when you aren't focused on what you want to do, like there's so many shiny objects. Oh, oh my, my gosh. I mean, like, and if like I find a shiny object, like there's probably an opportunity. I could probably make money at it. But like, is it really going to make me as much money if I really focus on this one thing? Yeah. So we've, we always struggle, like in the last like couple weeks, we, um, we work with a developer too. And it's like, he's got a development deal he wants to do. And it's like, we started researching development. I'm like, I'm like, Chris, my brother, I'm like, dude, this is not our core focus. Like what, what, what are we doing? Like, I mean, sure. It's fun to get educated on new things. Uh, I'm excited to learn more about development. I can't say that I'm going to be doing something like that directly in the future, but you know, you got a good gig. I I really like this point though, because this is so the crux of, of so many people's issues is there are a bazillion ways to make money. And if you're not focused on what you really want, then you can get completely distracted. Well, yeah, the focusing makes you better at it and makes you a better choice for clients or investors to come to you. And if you're deviating from that, then you're taking away from the, the value that you bring to to any specialty. The main thing that you yeah. do. I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you the another story too. We actually just got under contract for a 46 unit uh, yesterday. Um, and I'm sure by the time this airs, like we'll, we'll be farther along, but uh, the interesting part is it was an off-market deal we got through another broker and they came to us and they're like hey you guys should put an offer on this we're like yeah fits our thing like great awesome the seller came back and said hey we've got this other property it's like in gresham here are the financials on it we want you to buy this one too because we want to do a 1031 and like 
we don't manage anything east of 80th and it's like on 180th and like the rents are really lower uh yeah. it's harder tenants uh, I know you know yeah, well i mean like our kind of property management is we have we manage in higher end areas the rents are higher and it allows us to keep our uh rental percentage lower or management percentage lower uh, because we'll make as much money as someone charging a higher percentage over on the other side of town. So like we're looking in specific areas that have higher end rents. Um, and so we're, we had to tell them like, no, like, sorry, like, well, it, it's just, it doesn't fit our profile. And if that makes us lose this other deal that we're willing to pay kind of premium price, not premium, but like a good market price for, then so be it. Uh, but it's, it's hard to stay on that, like straight and narrow. And oh yeah. Kind of just be like, well, we can do all of it. <laughs> yes. Good for you for actually having the discipline to stick to it. And I think it's such an important point of making this work. And then the other thing is that this discipline is just kind of a theme with this. You both decided you were going to do syndication. So then you set out, how long did it take you to learn all the ins and outs of everything? It was, it was like a year, year and a half. Year and a half. And from like starting out to being like, we're reading books, we're going to do this to putting in an offer. So, um, but that's discipline. And I'm sure not every minute of that was super yeah. fun, but you well, did it. And it, it was I mean, an we adrenaline also, rush. <laughs> we were also purchasing other properties. We were, you know, doing other stuff, running the property management company, sure. still doing construction. So, I mean, it wasn't like we were full time in on that. It was just like, we knew we wanted to do it. And it was just kind of, you know, developing all that stuff. Um, and, you know, if, if we would have had someone mentoring us, I'm sure we could have done it much, much quicker, probably two or three months. Mm -hmm. But it, it is an important point because I, I don't think people realize that that discipline is what really separates the people who are successful from those that kind of flounder. Yeah. Yeah. It gets me thinking. I mean, we've, got a an investor group here with my old partners and you know we just went from we had a 1.9 million and we just turned it into 3.8 by the way that came yesterday and it's it, it just it means to, it seems to me like what i should be doing is reaching out to some other clients and saying hey why don't you guys hop on board with this too and 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 kind of turn it into a syndication so if someone is interested in getting into syndication, do they reach out to you or do you just, uh, do you enjoy talking about it or, or, or are you going to make them buy you dinner? Like what's the, uh, what's the trick? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm always happy to chat about syndication and I am starting to offer coaching for, uh, other management companies that there are getting go. interested into it. Um, so I am taking on a select, uh, few students in some areas that, uh, we could potentially, diversify our funds into um you know i've so we're we're looking for other partners um but yeah uh email me call me uh happy to you know chat and and point you in the right direction and but before we go down that road though of like hey we're wrapping this up where do you get a hold of <laughs> i want to just ask because because the upside is awesome which is why people will spend a year and a half learning about this but i'm sure you've heard some horror stories mm. and i think it's important that we don't do like toxic yeah, right. positivity on the <laughs> <Toxic> show toxic <laughs> positivity we're like everything is amazing but have you run into any Bullshit. maybe some other people who haven't been successful just so that the listeners can know what to watch out for or you pitfalls. know i don't 
I, I don't have any good stories of uh, some, some huge pitfalls. Uh, I will say that like we have made some mistakes in the past, and, and this may not sound like a huge mistake, but it's just like the learning curve. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on our first syndication, we bought the property with all cash um, and then refinanced it. Mm-hmm. And what we didn't realize is that when you are refinancing with like agency debt that they will only do loan to cost uh for if you refinance within the first year and like our proceeds from that and the ability to really turn that property was very much hindered because the the loan that we ended up getting was significantly less than what Mm. what we what we really needed and we had to leave a bunch of cash in there and like as you know with real estate like the more that you can leverage up the higher the returns that you can get so Mm -hmm. and then it was also during covid and they had a covid reserve and like it was just all those sorts of stuff like it was kind of a a bad time but sure you know if if we'd waited four or five more months like not even that long and then refinance we would have done 10 times better I like the idea also of working with property managers or syndicators that are in the same market where the property is going to be. Because I know the one time we were putting together a deal with a friend of ours out in Denver, um, and we ran across a situation where the the financials all looked really good, and you know, right to the point of doesn't quite make sense. Um, but in doing due diligence, we actually had an offer on the property. Um, and they had represented to us that these were the maintenance expenditures and this was the, uh, uh, the this had been the capital outlay over a certain amount of time. But then we were down at the property looking at it and we ran into somebody who was a maintenance technician and they said that they were waiting for their annual delivery of the 10 employees that they bring into the United States for three months to do repairs and upgrades. Well, we reached, we looked into it a little bit deeper that was off the books. That Those expenditures never made it to that company. They had done it through another umbrella or kind of shelter outfit, holding company. And that was like, okay, that you gotta have somebody local to figure stuff out because otherwise I just feel like you could be made a sucker. That's dangerous. Well, and that's, that's where it comes, like there's a book by Brian Burke, it's called The Hands-Off Investor. And anybody that's interested in investing in syndications, I would suggest reading that. And it goes through like how to verify and vet a syndicator or mm-hmm. a syndicator, someone that's offering the deals. And it's uh, it's just, it's, it's a great read. And even for syndicators too, like I could read that and then reverse engineer like what it is that I need to do to be transparent, to mm, be right. a mm. good syndicator. Yeah. Um, so it's just, a, it's a good, it's a good resource. Um, so Brian and, Burke with Praxis Capital is like raising $500 million. Oh, wow. Time, so okay. it's kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you said that you look at buildings and you take the numbers that they're giving you with a grain of salt when you're looking at the deal. Oh yeah. I mean, any, any sort of stuff that comes over in a, an offering memorandum and OM, like throw it out the window, like a pro forma, you've got, you've got, you're like, sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, a performer that a broker does is like, great <laughs> no, stuff. I know. Why do they be like, oh, it's a great deal. Look at the uh, return. Like, no, he, this was done at the broker. This is going to work. It's yeah, definitely no. uh, rosy glasses. And then also for people who want to invest in uh, syndications, we have heard stories where 
people are awesome professionals and known in the business world as being incredible at putting deals together, real estate, but then they get themselves way too um, spread too thin and the syndication took a back seat and we've heard of people, we've had investors, I think, who came to us later and they were like, this was terrible, help fix it. Yeah, right. oh yeah. Because syndications can go wrong if the operator is at, you know, out to lunch. Or shitty. Yeah, so <laughs> so have you, do you have people, uh, syndicators that you've run into that have screwed people over? Have you ever seen that? <laughs> I, you know, I don't think that they last too long. Yeah, I do. Uh, you know. You know, it's like the guys in the space that are out there day in and day out are the ones that are performing. You know, the other thing too is like, it's been a long time since the real estate downturn. Like I, I have got to imagine, you know, I've talked to some of the older guys uh, that have been around for 20, 30 years. And they're like, yeah, there, there was a ton of them leading up to 2007, 2008. And then, oh. you know, a lot of those deals went south, but that was the end of them. Um, mm. So I, I, you know, it's, the deal that a syndicator provides is only uh, worth as much as the how good the syndicator is so look at the track record look at what they're doing um you know anybody can put some fake numbers on a spreadsheet and make something look good <laughs> that's so it's amazing true. it's amazing it's amazing how math works when you just like literally like changing the cap rate like if you buy something like we're buying stuff at a, between a four and a five cap, knowing that we can do some value add. But when our pro forma, we sell at a five cap. Like if I change that to a four cap, I can literally like change IRRs by 20%. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, so that goes to the assumptions that you make. Yeah. These. I mean, you're going to really have to make sure that they're realistic or if yep. you're buying or and be skeptical, correct? Where are the assumptions yeah. that you see people making the most outrageous? I mean, I guess the cap rate, but what? Uh, yeah, the, the, cap, the cap rate on the sell for evaluating the exit price, I think is, is a big one that changes and can vary wildly. We, we rule of thumb is you wanna add half a percent or seven point half a, or three quarters of a percent onto the cap rate of whatever you're buying it at. Um, just because of the market turns over the next couple of years, which we're starting to see now with inflation. Um, mm -hmm. You know, interest rates are going up. Uh, cap rates are, we haven't seen them really compress. I mean, they've been, they've been compressed lately, but they're starting to expand and maybe come up a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the market. I'm not the fortune teller, but uh, you know, things are, things are changing a little bit. Uh, other assumptions are like, you know, the, the rents, in uh, construction costs, like what's mm. what's it take to turn a unit? How much uh, of that budget are they going to be well capitalized? Are they going to be able to, you know, perform on on what's been going on? Um, there's there's just a lot of there's there's quite a bit of assumptions. And that book that I told you about, the hands off investor, goes through what assumptions to really like look into and dig into. So okay, um, a good good resource there. Absolutely. Okay, so um, where can people find you if they want to talk to you about coaching or, you know, I know you were talking that you were looking for operators in other markets. Where should, yeah. yeah. So I've, I've got a podcast too. It's okay. called Westside Investors Network, uh, WIN for short. 
Um, but you have to search West Side Investors Network. And then uh, Uptown Syndication, There's uh, if you're interested in being an investor, you can fill out the form there. If you're interested in coaching, there's a coaching form there and all of that gets to me. And if you just want to shoot me an email, I'm aj at uptownpm.com. Awesome. I get a lot of emails, so hopefully I will get back to you. (laughs) Thank you, AJ, for being on the show. Bootstrappers is powered by Anaquim. Anaquim can help you with all your virtual labor needs. So go to anaquim.net, set up a, a discovery call. We'd be happy to help you with any of your labor needs. That's a wrap. We'll see you next time on Bootstrappers. This is the Bootstrapper Show for Property Management, powered by Anaquim, a podcast where we have real conversations with industry experts that you can apply to your life and business.